one constant through all the years, Ray, has been beyond the game. The most well-known, the best-looking, the best-dressed. It's a faith-based sports radio program. We would be honored if you would join us. The ladies are digging my sweet bass. I also really don't care. No, I'm saying I could have done with sweet though, because I do that every time I golf. Are you really that ignorant? Yeah. You guys are so young and stupid. Get ready. Here we go. Thanks for joining us, and welcome to the Beyond the Game program. Beyond the Game is brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions, townandcountrysolutions.com. You can call Town & Country at 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. Town & Country Pest Solutions, fearing nothing but God. I'm Rick Benson, along with Zach Barletta, who produces a program. And joining us this week is Darren Metzger, one of the original those guys whose schedule just got a bit complicated, but we're glad to have them here with us this week as we'll be talking NBA. Darren's an avid NBA fan and follows it closely. Now, I'm not sure if this was an equipment failure the other night or if hockey masks really aren't that good, but against the Toronto Maple Leafs the other night, Tampa Bay's Ben Bishop took a shot from Peter Holland directly off his goalie mask and immediately fell to the ice. And of course, when that happens, you know, you fear the worst. Something's how You see the guy drop like that, assuming that he not maybe got knocked unconscious, maybe mm-hmm. something worse. But not to worry. It was just a couple of missing teeth. Now, I know, listen, I know so all. Play. He doesn't care. Yeah, well, that's the fact because he kept playing. I know all pro athletes are tough. They are. They're all tough. But hockey players, they're a different breed, aren't they? Mm-hmm. And, Bishop was working a shutout. That's why he didn't come out of the game. I mean, he had <laughs> a shutout. A shutout. You know, I'm sure he didn't even consider coming out of the game. He took a few moments to gather himself. And speaking of gathering, teammate Brian Boyle went around the ice gathering up his teeth. Good teammate. <laughs> exactly right. That's a good teammate because that's gross. Yeah, I'm not touching mm-hmm. your teeth. They fall out. I'd be like, man. Yo, there's there's some teeth over there. There's a couple more over there. I'm I'm not going after your teeth. Oh man, how hard must that shot have been to have knocked his teeth out I mean, through the goalie mask? It is I a remember. frozen piece of rubber that hit him in the face. That has to hurt. But you'd think the mask would have protect. And I guess most of the time it does because you don't hear about this very often. But Man, that shot had to be hard. Frozen piece of rubber or not, that had to be pretty hard. Don't you feel like goalie masks should work more than most of the time? That's something I feel like that needs to be 100, 110%. Absolutely. Like, that needs to work more than 100% my, of the time. My son was a goalie. You guys know that. And Man, I hated it whenever I'd be at a game and then there'd be a shot up around his throat or up mm-hmm. around his face. And, uh, you know, he wasn't an NHL player, so... He didn't have NHL dollars at his disposal, you know, where he could go out and get the best thing available. You know, he was going out there with basically a paper plate with holes cut. <laughs> you mean that's not safe? Would you play goalie? I played it in soccer. I'm no, not no, no, mad no. enough would, to play it in hockey. Is there any position in in sports that you would play that you would be less willing to play than goalie in hockey? I actually would love to be a goalie. I do. It's just, it's cool. Yeah, but 
You saw what happened to Ben Bishop. How is that cool? Yeah, but we're talking about it because it never happens. Well, no, it clearly does happen, and now he's missing teeth. Yeah, I think that'd be the one position out of all the, you know, I, I don't know that I'd play quarterback and, and want these guys chasing me down and taking shots whenever they could, but yeah, I, don't think I think he... NHL goalie would be the one position that I'd be least likely to play. You know what? I've been watching the World Series. I've seen the catchers taking some abuse. Yeah, you're yeah. right. I don't think you pay me enough to be a, a no, catcher. I would not want to be a catcher. Either. They're always nicked up, yes. you know, taking foul balls off the hands. Off, I know. get a hangnail and I call into work. I, there's not a chance <laughs> I'm being a catcher or a goalie. The topic of offensive team names, logos, mascots, whatever, it comes around every so often. And of course, with the Cleveland Indians in the World Series, uh-huh. this is a ready-made platform for it to people for people to bring it up again. Essentially, this week, Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred said that at some point after the season. He plans on having a discussion with Indians ownership about their Chief Wahoo logo. He didn't say that he would force them to change it, but he did say that, quote, I know that that particular logo is offensive to some people, and all of us at Major League Baseball understand why. And here's what I'm wondering. Do you think he painted himself into a corner a little bit? What do I mean by that? If if you've acknowledged that, all of us at Major League Baseball understand that it's offensive to people, then how can you allow it to continue? Hasn't this been an argument since, like, I swear to you, I've grown up with this particular logo being at the forefront of, you know, the poster boy for offensive mm-hmm. team logos. Like, it's always been around as long as I can remember. I don't feel like it's going to change. Paint yourself in the corner all you want. It's clearly not going to change. Well, Zach, I I think you've said it a number of times in regards to this discussion. It seems that people most offended, or at least making the most noise about it, are not the Native Americans. And I'm sure there are some. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there are. But by and large, they don't seem to care all that much. Mm -hmm. Neither, I mean, either way, neither opposed to it or in favor of it. They just, they don't, there's not large numbers of them that seems to move the needle. With so many other things that ail society, mm-hmm. shouldn't somebody have at least checked with this group of people before making this <laughs> cause their pet cause? Mm-hmm. I mean, as long as it's in the news once again, though, I'll admit, as you were just saying, Darren, this particular logo, this is probably the one that I can get. I can see why this is offensive. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a exaggerated cartoon character. I, I, I can get this. This one's a little... I don't think it was originally intended to be offensive. I mean, no. my understanding is that its origin was was used by a newspaper and designed by a staff cartoonist. And cartoonists are going to do what cartoonists do, make a cartoon, exaggerate mm-hmm, mm-hmm. characteristics. It's in line with the style of the day. Now, I know history would be on the side of those who who support the logo. And frankly, you know, I'm able to see something that might be offensive and I'm able to just move on. You know, mm-hmm. I, I see things all the time that's relatively offensive, and you go, you know. Clearly, you don't comment on the internet then. As as a white <laughs> male, though, aren't we more easily to just be able to move on from something that's offensive? Because let's be honest, we got a pretty good life. Yeah, you're probably right, and but I don't know that I can narrow it down just because I'm a white male. I'm not offended by oh, true, stuff. True. But uh, you know, there is something about just being able to move on. 
Um, of course, in this case, I'm not. I'm not really all that offended. And as you alluded to, Darren, I'm not a Native American, but mm-hmm. you know, I'm not offended. And I, I just, I really don't have an opinion on this particular thing. Of all the Native American team names that we have, wouldn't Redskins be the most offensive one? Because we call people a whole bunch of things, but something that no one ever refers to Native Americans as. Is Redskins. Wouldn't that be the one that should maybe be changed that first? That name probably is, but this particular logo, this character True. Um, is – and I can see it on both of those. You know what? When Bomani Jones, ESPN, had that stupid stunt where uh, he wore a T-shirt modeled after the Indians logo with Caucasian replaced the word mm-hmm. Cleveland and a smiling blonde white guy replacing Chief Wahoo. You probably remember it. I do. I wasn't all that offended by it. I just thought, well, that's kind of dopey. You know, it didn't bother me. Did you spend money on that shirt? Because you wasted your money. Well, he's probably got plenty. <laughs> you know, I would say this. It's not the 1940s anymore when nope. this logo, pro- I think somewhere around there, originally came out. Mm-hmm. People are much more sensitive. If it were created today, it would have never seen the light of day. It would have right. never got out of the marketing department. They wouldn't use a cartoon character of a rabbi. They wouldn't use, you know, a Civil War area slave. Uh, they wouldn't use a Wild West era caricature of an Asian shopkeeper. Yeah. You know, these are things that we wouldn't do. You mentioned Redskins. We wouldn't call somebody, hey, the Blackskins, you know. Yeah. Might get you punched. I had this discussion actually this week with my wife about something similar to this. So we're watching the old Peter Pan cartoon with my oh, daughter. Oh, that's really racist. And you remember the whole song, What Makes the Red Man Red and all of that <laughs> yeah. and the Indians dance around and stuff? Like today, that is like super offensive. Uh-huh. My wife and I were watching that. We were like, holy cow, I didn't remember what this was. But I mean, in whatever, 1950 or whatever, when Walt Disney made it, it wasn't offensive. It was just a, a harmless kid's cartoon. And I feel like that's what the Indians logo is. When it was made, it was not intended to make fun of anybody or insult anybody. It was just that was what things were. And I think it, it, you could look at it and say, look, nobody meant any harm by this. It's it's fine. But playing devil's advocate here, because I actually I somewhat agree with you, in today's world that we are living in, that is actually slightly offensive. Like you like you said, I've, I've seen that cartoon, watched it with my kids, and I know exactly what you're talking about. I, my wife and I did the same thing. It wouldn't happen in today's world. Right. So maybe just change the logos. So this well, there's a lot of – there's a lot – the old Bugs Bunny oh, yeah. cartoons oh, yeah. that you don't see. They're not putting them on the air. There's some of those where they were. They're offensive. I mean, Chief Wahoo, this is not the Blackhawks logo. Boomer Esiason said on his program the other day that he thinks that the Blackhawks jersey is the best jersey in all of sports. You can look at that logo and see it as one which – which seems to honor Native cool Americans. Yeah. yeah. You can't say that Chief Wahoo is honoring True. to Native Americans. Mm. But, you know, I'd be more offended by the name Indians than I would be from Chief Wahoo. I mean, they're not from India. It's continuing a mistaken identity from hundreds of years ago. Isn't that somewhat stupid to never have corrected it? No. Of course, I'm not bothered by it. I'm really not. But it, I don't understand why the squeaky wheel doesn't like Redskins but is less bothered by Indians. And, yes, I think Redskins, as you mentioned earlier, is a close second to Chief Wahoo. And I'm sure there are others that I'm not aware of in college sports and high school sports. And I know some of them have been changing. But I 
I wouldn't force anybody to change it. The option's theirs. You know, and I would think, I hope they would. I'd like the Indians to say, you know what, we're we're not going to use that. And mm-hmm. they had. They hadn't been using it so much. But in this World Series, the players voted to use it. That's why they're using it. That's why it's on their hat instead of the C. That's what the players wanted to do. Uh, I, I wouldn't make them change it, but I, I, I'd hope that they would on their own. You know, unless you hear from a majority of Native Americans that they came to a consensus and find that it's offensive, then then maybe, yeah, you got to look at it. But um, I don't think the owners of a team should be forced to change something based on the feelings of some soft college kid from Berkeley who escapes to their <laughs> safe space, you know, every time Redskins. His, huh? his polo with his collar popped. Yeah, you have to realize that by forcing them to change it, you'd be forcing them to spend significant amounts of money to make that happen. Um, that's not really fair. It might be the right thing to do, but it's not necessarily mm-hmm. fair. It's easy for us to spend other people's money and say, well, they have it, they can spend it, but uh, still doesn't make it make it fair. And the broadcasters who just say that team from Washington, well, that's just silly, you know. Yeah, uh, come on. Isn't uh, Mike Greenberg from Mike and Mike? And he he won't refer to them as the Redskins either. He just calls them Washington all the time. Stop it. Look, it's I their think, name right now. I think the Redskins should change their nickname. I think the Indians should probably stop using Chief Wahoo, but I don't think they should be forced to do it. But this is not the battle that I would choose to fight. I mean, maybe children who don't get enough food to eat is a more worthy of an investment of you know no. one's energy. And you can pick from any number of things that should come higher on one's priority list than this. And by the way, what group of orange people were so outraged that Syracuse had to change its name from the orange men to just the orange? (laughs) Really, who did that bother? Uh, The cast of Jersey Shore. I could go on and on about that one, but I'm going to leave it alone. I see what you did there, and that's really funny. We've got a full show for you today, so I hope you'll stick around. We'll talk to Roberts Wesleyan College's women's basketball coach, Gary Andrews. He's preparing to take his squad to South Bend and play one of the powerhouse in all of women's basketball, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Darren is here. That means NBA talk. We'll give you our thoughts and predictions on the season that kicked off this week. We're also going to talk about the Jets quarterbacks and specifically Ryan Fitzpatrick's post-game comments. Frankly, I don't get all the fuss. And of course, we've got our regular features. You can find archives of previous broadcasts at our website, btgprogram.com. I'm Benson. They're those guys. You're listening to the Beyond the Game program brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions. Title sponsor of Beyond the Game is Town & Country Pest Solutions, and they have been for the two-plus years the show's been on the air. But that's nothing compared to the nearly 30 years of bringing your homes and businesses of unwelcome pests. And I'm not just here reading a commercial script for them. I am a happy and satisfied customer. They have taken care of a mouse, bee, ant, and even fly problem for me. Yes, my house is old and falling apart and I get all sorts of pest problems, and you may too as the colder air creeping in starts to cause critters to seek shelter in your attic, basement, or walls. If you think you have a problem or want to make sure that you don't, call Town & Country. They really are the best. They guarantee their work, and did I mention they're the best? Save yourself any more of a headache and money by giving them a call first. Don't waste your time on other companies. Town & Country will do it right the first time, every time. So give them a call today at 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. One more time because someone decided that three is the magic number, 585-426-5024. Or visit them online at townandcountrysolutions.com. Town & Country Pest Solutions. They fear nothing but God. Is here. Ram Sports Network. Christian Sports Television. That's right. 
Christian Sports Television. Ram Sports Network is the first Christian sports TV channel with programming from Pee Wee to the pros. Games, events, sports talk, fitness and nutrition, sports missions, western sports, and sports ministry. We're spreading the gospel through sports. Watch us now at ramsportsnetwork.com or find us on the Roku Channel Store. Ram Sports Network. More than a game. Welcome back to the Beyond the Game program. Brought to you by Town and Country Pest Solutions, btgprogram.com or at btgprogram. As I mentioned in our opening, Darren Metzger is here with us. He is our, he's an avid NBA fan, follows very closely, almost as close as Zach does perhaps. <laughs> Zach doesn't follow the NBA. Zach loves the NHL. I got, these guys are great to hang out with because Depending on what I want to talk about, I can talk with one or the other. Yeah, just but use not us. Both. That's fine. Between us, we can cover the four major sports. Yeah, you want to talk about soccer? Is that? Are you counting no, that no, as no. a major sport? I, I said major sports. Ah, uh, said sports in general. All right, Darren. Let's you and I go through this. I don't think we all know that Zach's just going to pick the Raptors and move Raptors. on. Um, so we actually are going to be good this year. That's an interesting interesting place to start. But let's do this. Let's go through the East Conference first, and we'll pick our eight playoff teams in order. Um, I'm going to tell you mine right off the start. I got the Cleveland Cavaliers at the top. I like them adding Mike Dunleavy. I think that's a great mm-hmm. move. Um, and I've got Toronto at number two. Toronto at two, huh? I, I have them pretty high. I know they lost Bismack Biombo, but I like the Jared Sollinger ad. Um, I yeah. think that actually makes them better. I think if he can stop taking bad shots, they're going to be even better. He takes some pretty poor shots. I like the way it opens up the offense mm-hmm. a little bit. Uh, I got the Celtics at third. I think Hal, Al or Horford makes a huge difference. And I think they got great huge coaching. Difference. Yep. Great coaching. Uh, I like the Charlotte Hornets at four because of their bench. I think they're very deep. And I get the Indiana Pacers number five. Now, when we get into talking about championships in a little bit, um, I got the Pacers going deep, but I think it's going to take a little time for them to gel. I like Jeff Teague. I got the Pistons six, the Hawks seven, and the Washington Wizards eight. Um, I'd like to put Washington higher. I think they got talent, but that Wall-Beal relationship is so unpredictable. Yeah. So there, there you have Mike. Cavaliers, Raptors, Celtics, Hornets, Pacers, Pistons, Hawks, and Wizards. Tell me how you see the East. The top of mine is very similar to yours. The bottom, it changes a lot. Like I got, obviously have the Cavs number one. You can't put them anywhere else. I actually, LeBron's been very durable for his career. I would, I, I would honestly place bets on him taking off a good amount of time this year. Either resting or you know little nicks and bruises here and there. He's played a lot of minutes, a lot of games. Look for Kyrie Irving this year to be not just good, but an absolute stud. Watch him step up and carry this team. And just throwing it out there, I could actually see Kevin Love getting traded for the right price. I'm not saying it's absolutely going to happen, but he just doesn't ever seem to fit in there. It, it, he seems like the odd piece. Yes. Whether it's personality, I, I don't know what it is, mm-hmm. but he definitely seems like the odd piece in Cleveland. I could see him not finishing the season with the Cavaliers. Wouldn't surprise me. My two and three seeds are switched. I have the Celtics at two. I am on board with the hype train with this team. Um, last season, their offense struggled mainly because of poor 
big man play on the offensive end. Al Horford fixes that. And, oh, by the way, he's a good defender as well. I think this team's going to be very good. To actually, a two, three seed for them is very easy because it is the East. I, I, I like Horford improves, improving their mm-hmm. defense. Yep. Got the Raptors three. You could, like I said, you could switch the Raptors and Celtics. I could be talking to that. They're interchangeable. Um, I'm looking for them to build on a solid season last year. DeMar DeRozan, Kyle Lowry, fantastic backcourt. Outside of the Splash Brothers, I could be easily convinced that this is the best backcourt duo outside of the Splash Brothers. I, I, I love what this team is. The Pacers, I feel like putting them at a four seed is actually high because it scares me. Like you're either all in or all out. As you alluded to, you're all in with them this year. And I think they're going to be pretty good. Unless Paul George misses a significant amount of time, then they're going to be as much of a dumpster fire as the Knicks are. So put them at a four. I really like Monte Ellis this year. I realize we know what Monte Ellis is at this point, but for some reason I've always liked him. Maybe it's the tattoos or whatever, but I'm a big Monte Ellis fan. I think, you know, and with Teague as well, I, I really like what this team's going to be. The Hornets, I put it at, at five, mostly because of their coach. Steve Clifford is, I mean, I think he's a fantastic coach. He's going to get the most out of a very talented Kemba Walker and Nicholas Batum. And then you got Michael. So far, our f- top five is the same. Very similar. Except we yeah. got two and three switched and four mm-hmm. or five switched. Yeah. So give me your six, seven, eight. All right. I'm going to go with the Heat. At six, but I honestly, it's the East. I could be talking to the Kentucky Wildcats or Duke being a better <laughs> team than them. So I've given up on Goran Dragic, and Justice Winslow is going to be need to be a big piece for this team, which I just don't know if it's going to happen. You got the Bulls at seven. Dwayne Wade can still carry a team, right? Yeah, sure. I mean, he'll be fine, right? And Ron, Jimmy Butler. I yeah. mean, that's... Well, he's the only good thing there. Rondo's going to Rondo. So you got Jimmy Butler, but is he good enough to carry? This team is pretty one dimensional. Yes. So I, I really, I don't think they're going to be very good, but again, it's the East. So yeah, seven seed could work for you. And my eight, my eight pick, which I told you before we started the show off air that my two eight seeds, I'm very proud of this. This one could be a homer pick. I'm actually going to go with the New York Knicks. Bear with me. Please don't turn off your radios. If Derrick Rose can just be a shell of him, he's been a shell of himself, but he can just be 80% of what he once was. It's the best point guard the Knicks have had in forever. I can like, see the Knicks competing <clears throat> for that eight spot. Yeah. I really, I have them in at nine and I, I thought about it for a while. Mm-hmm. I can see him competing for it. I don't think, I, I think there's too much talent on the Wizards, but if I understood your picks right, you don't have the Pistons or the Hawks no. in the playoff picture. I I, the Hawks losing Horford, I just I, I just don't like them anymore. I realize the Hawks are a good team. Were they a two seed two years ago or last year, whatever it was? They're a good team. I just you need somebody every year to take a step back while someone takes a step forward. And I just chose the, the Pistons and the Hawks at this point because at, at some point the whole it does strategy, change. Cotton. Let's see if it pays <laughs> off for them. So yeah, I just. Yeah, and I, I honestly, I, I I admitted it right off the bat. The Knicks at an eight seed could be a biased homer pick by my part, and I'm just hoping. But no, I can I can see them there, eight, nine, somewhere in that mm-hmm. you know, just in, just out. Uh, it's so iffy though. I, I'd like to see them in, but I yeah. don't think it's going to happen. They're but. built on such an iffy foundation. Like if this goes right, and if that goes right, like if everything goes right, the Knicks could be okay. They're not going to win, and not going to win a series or anything, but they might sneak in. All right, sticking in the East, then give me your 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 Eastern Conference final. 
matchup. I've got, and this is where I was, I think I'm a little bit higher on the Pacers than everybody. Mm-hmm. I think that offense is going to be real good, but I think it's going to take a while for some of those new pieces because that offense is basically overhauled. I think it's going to take a little bit for those pieces to come together. So they're going to slip down. I have them in a five seed, but I have them going deep. I'm, I I think they're going to be the matchup with Cleveland in, in the finals of right. the Eastern Conference. Right. Obviously the Cavs, you can't pick right. against them. Right. I didn't want to go Celtics, Raptors, Pacers, whoever. It was, it was boring to me. So I wanted to go out on a limb and say that the Hornets are well coached. Kemba Walker's a good player. Batum, I think, is going to be even better. And Michael Kidd Gilchrist, not only is he going to have a good season, I think he's going to be an all-star this year. I'm telling you, watch the Hornets surprise everybody I, and fight I think the, the Hornets are deep. I, yeah. I do like them. That's why I have them at four. So you got Cavaliers and Hornets in the championship of the Eastern mm-hmm. Conference Finals. I have the Cavaliers and the Pacers. All right, let's turn our attention to the Western Conference, where I have Golden State at top. Um, I, I, I could be talked into San Antonio there, mm-hmm. though. I think Golden State, I, I think Oklahoma exposed it, and on opening night, I think uh, San Antonio exposed it. Their transition game is a weakness for them. Mm-hmm. That. That can be exploited and maybe, but I got Golden State number one. I got San Antonio number two. I got Portland three. And you're right. The West is where the talent is. Uh, the Thunder, I have four. I'm worried about their defense, but I think Russell Westbrook is going to be on a mission. Yeah. Um, I got the Clippers five. I got them lower than a lot of people because I just, whatever it is, it just doesn't, there's something about this team that just doesn't seem to work. Uh, I got the Jazz. I, at number six, the Grizzlies number seven. Um, well, it depends on what happens with Marcus Saul if he stays on the floor. Uh, and I got the Timberwolves. I think Carl Anthony Towns is going to dominate oh, yeah. in this league. And I, I oh, see yeah. them as the eighth seed. So I've got Warriors, Spurs, Blazers, Thunder, Clippers, Jazz, Grizzlies, and Timberwolves. Similar at the top with the Spurs and the Warriors. I actually put the Spurs number one and Warriors number two. And here's why. I can I can buy into yeah. that completely. The war it's going to take time for KD to gel there. It's it, it it you saw it happen with the Heat with the big three, and then you saw it happen with the Cavaliers last year. It does take time for these big name guys to get going together. So I'm going to give the Spurs the edge here, and they're going to be the number one speed. It's Pop. See, it's Popovich, well coached, got good players. They're going to be number one. You got Warriors too. I hate saying this. Clippers are going to be three. I've burned by. I've been burned by this team time and time again. Yeah. Here's the only reason I'm putting them at three. Last year was There's so a lot bad. Of talent. Yeah, last year was so so bad that aren't they due to have something go right for a change? This doesn't seem to ever happen. No, I'm telling. This is the year. I've been burned every year saying that, but I'm going to say it again. I got Jazz at four. Um, not sold on uh, George Hill at the point. Not so terribly you're not, excited. I like that. that addition. See, I don't. I'm not sold on that. I actually think they're going to see what they got out of Dante Exum before the trade deadline. As their backup point guard, see what they got there. The Gordon Haywood Hayward injury, I'm not uh, too excited about, but I think this is a very good team. Um, once they're healthy, as long as they don't have too much of a hole to start the season, they're going to be pretty good. So, all right, give me your top. Se- go seven, one through seven in order for me. All right, I got Spurs, Warriors, Clippers, Jazz, Rockets because their offense is going to be great. Grizzlies, Thunder. And that's that's one through seven. Number All right, eight. Now here's an eight because you mentioned you have some. You're excited about your number. I am. Eight I'm very excited about my number eight pick, and you took it. It's the Timberwolves. Carl Anthony Towns. Yes, everyone knows about him. He is going to 
terrorize teams for years to come. What about Zach Levine, Ricky Rubio, uh, Andrew Wiggins? Wiggins. That's a young team. They're going to be inconsistent, but I think they're going to be good. And then I really feel like they're going to have the rookie of the year on their team and Chris Dunn. He's probably the most polished rookie in the entire draft. And I look for him to take over Rubio's starting spot. Yeah, I think you and I are on the same page here. I like the Timberwolves. Mm -hmm. I think they're going to, you know, I don't think they're going to dominate the Western Conference, but I think they're going to be very, very competitive. I don't think anybody's going to have an easy time with them. I mean, obviously, a couple of times over the course of the year, they're going to get blown out, but um, I like the Timberwolves in the AC. I got the Golden State Warriors and the San Antonio Spurs competing in that uh, conference finals. I just I'm bored with that. I've seen everybody pick that, so I, I went different, and I actually said Warriors Clippers. I realize this is going to bite me in the butt probably again. You worried me when you say you're bored with it. It's like all right, they're the two best teams in the league, but I'm bored with it, so I'm going to say the Nets and, <laughs> and the <laughs> Lakers. The Nets are going to be the worst team in the NBA. I'm calling that right now. But no, I'm just I didn't want to pick the Spurs or Spurs and Warriors. I wanted to take one of them out. And everyone's kind of down on the Clippers for the first time ever. So I'm going to be up on them still, even though it's burned me every single NBA year. Finals, I've got the San Antonio Spurs beating the Cleveland Cavaliers. I have the Warriors beating the Cavs, which is the most boring pick I can go with. I realize that, but um, they're going to gel by the end of the year. And, I mean, look at that team with KD. It's the same team as last year, but with Kevin Durant. They're unbeatable once they gel. Real quick, you got a good surprise, bad surprise out of these teams? Because I'm a Knicks fan, I'm going to hope that it is a good surprise and we see some good stuff out of them this year. It wasn't a good start to the season against the Cavs, but I'm, <laughs> I'm hoping there's a good surprise there. Uh, the Rockets, another surprise. I realize they probably won't play great defense under Dan Tony, but that offense, look for James Harden to be in the MVP conversation again. I think he's going to excel under D'Antoni's and offensive I've already system. given you mine for the most part. Good surprise. you got the Indiana Pacers. Like mm-hmm. I said, I think that offense is going to be great. Bad surprise. I'm down on the Clippers. Um, you're higher on them than yeah. I am. So My my bad surprise is that I got the Trailblazers missing the playoffs. Like Outside of Damian Lillard, I mean, what do you got? Uh, Evan Turner already saying some stuff to the media uh, going on out there already. It's already – a problem. Yeah, but I think Lillard is about to be a megastar. I think player. he's really going to um, – I'm probably anyway, very wrong. There you have it. You've got the Golden State Warriors winning the NBA championship. I've got the San Antonio Spurs. We both have the Cleveland Cavaliers there. Uh, that's our pick this year, the, our NBA preview. Uh, coming up after the break, we got our Roberts report, our Re- Roberts Wesleyan College, the Red Hawks report, I should say. You're listening to the Beyond the Game program brought to you by Town & Country, Pest Solutions. Here is the Red Hawks Report for this week, October 29th, 2016. The Red Hawks Report is presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. We start this week with last Saturday's ECC Cross Country Championships where both the Roberts men's and women's teams both won championship titles. The men placed first out of eight teams competing, sweeping the first four spots and garnering the team victory. Senior Keith Pease finished first with a time of 25.57.4 and was followed respectively by Matthew Watson, Aaron Belomo, and Josiah Adelini. Seven Red Hawks men were named to the ECC All-Conference team. 
Adelini was named the Rookie Runner of the Year, and Pease took home the Men's Cross Country Runner of the Year award. The women also finishing first, doing so in a field of nine teams competing. Senior Elizabeth Valento paced the Roberts women, finishing third overall with a time of 1821.8. Freshman Mega Singh was named the ECC Women's Cross Country Rookie of the Year, and coaches Andrew and Jennifer Dorr were named ECC Coaches of the Year for the men and women, respectively. In men's golf, senior Tom Kolb placed first overall with a 2-under-142 tournament score in leading the Red Hawks to the victory in the Red Hawks Invitational as they closed out their season. Senior Alexandra Tahari led the Red Hawks volleyball team to a come-from-behind win over Molloy College with 19 kills and 18 digs in the match. The women's tennis team was also hosting Malloy last Saturday to close out their season. The Red Hawks capped off a 10-8 season with an 8-1 win over Malloy. In men's soccer, a hat trick by senior forward Malcolm Shaw led the Roberts Wesleyan's men's soccer team to a victory over the University of Pittsburgh at Johnstown this past Wednesday, 5-2. Junior midfielder Sam Moody added two goals of his own in the 5-2 road victory. The Red Hawks women were also victorious on Wednesday, defeating Nyack College at home 5-1. Senior Bella Matreski and freshman Maya Rutland each scored two goals, and freshman Taylor Rutland added a goal to complete the scoring. Coming up this week, you can catch the Red Hawks men's soccer team at home later today, that's October 29th, as they close out the regular season against the University of D.C., That match gets started at 1 p.m. The women's basketball team is also home today, tipping off against RIT at 2 p.m. at home at the Voller Athletic Center. The women's volleyball team will also be at home today as they host New York Institute of Technology at 5 p.m. The volleyball team is also home next Friday, November 4th, 7 p.m. against the University of Bridgeport. There you have it, the Red Hawks Report for this week, October 29th, 2016. The Red Hawks Report is presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. And remember, you can follow Roberts Wesleyan Athletics on Twitter at RWC Red Hawks. This has been the Red Hawks Report presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. Do you know a high school athlete looking for a D2 college? Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts Wesleyan College, where athletics are fundamental to our commitment to educate for character. Our athletic program is strong and getting stronger every year. We offer 17 varsity sports, from lacrosse and basketball to track and field and soccer, and the only Division II athletic program in the area. Tell the young athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. Gary Andrews is the head coach of the women's basketball team at Roberts Wesleyan College. He joins us once again on the BTG studio line. Thanks for coming on, Coach. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks for having me, Rick. It's always a pleasure. After a pair of local games with SUNY Geneseo and with the U of R, the team heads for South Bend, Indiana, and a date next Thursday night with the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, a D1 school that's finished in the top five in the nation each of the last six seasons. How do you prepare your squad to play one of college basketball's most elite programs? Well, it's a very tall task, but we're just going to try to go out and play our game and know it's an exhibition game and we have nothing to lose and all the pressure's on Notre Dame. They're expected to win and win big. So we're going to go out and try to play as hard as we can and you know, move the ball and make it an up-tempo game and just you know, try to play as well as we can, give them a battle. 
it has to be a an exciting experience for the ladies to play at Notre Dame against the Irish. How, how did this game end up on your schedule? Did you have to schedule this far in advance? Well, we ended up we finalized it probably within the last five or six months. But I've been working on playing Notre Dame since I was at St. Francis in Indiana about three years ago. I know Notre Dame's assistant, and we've been talking about playing. And if they had an opening, you know, they'd try to get us in. And when I came here to Roberts after we beat Cleveland State last year in an exhibition game, we kind of you know, I emailed her and just to kind of show her that we, we could compete with Division One teams and things like that. And so we've just been trying to finalize a date and everything. So it's been in the works for quite a while for, you know, for me, like to have my team play them. And then being here my second year at Robert just probably came to fruition probably in the last six, seven months. Last year, as you mentioned, you went on the road early in the season. You won at D1 Cleveland State. Clearly, you're turning it up a notch, taking it on, taking on Notre Dame, and obviously, an upset of the Irish would make national headlines. After all, they're a perennial Final Four team. They've been in the national championship game, you know, four times since 2011. I think it is. Do you go into this match looking for an upset, or are you content to measure your team by how competitive they can play and 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 keep themselves within the game? You know, I'm very competitive, so I'm going to try to win. Anytime I play anything, so you know we're, we'd love to go in there and upset Notre Dame. I mean, I have a good memory. Like 25, 30 years ago, you know when Ralph Sampson was playing on the men's side of Virginia, they were ranked number one in the country, and Shamanad out in Hawaii beat him in that one of those preseason tournaments, and Shamanad was in any high school. So I mean, it can't happen, but we know it's going to be a tall task, and if we can be competitive with them, I'll be extremely happy because I know. Everybody's saying Notre Dame's going to be have a great team this year. So if we could find a way to be competitive against them, that means we're on the right track for this season. You'll be coaching against Muffet McGraw. I mean, a certain Hall of Famer who's been with the Irish for 30 years, dating back to 1987. I don't mean to make this about Notre Dame, but can you talk about what it means to you to be coaching up against a legend like McGraw? I mean, it's a great challenge, and you know, she's a great person. She's had a great career, and you know, she's a super nice lady and you know, it'll be a lot of fun to you know, try to match which wits with um a Hall of Fame coach. So I'm excited about it. We're talking with Gary Andrews, head coach of the women's basketball team at Roberts Wesleyan College. They head into this season as the defending NCCAA national champions. A great season last year, your first with Roberts, capped off, as I said, with that NCCAA national championship. You're returning three girls who figured prominently for you last year as sophomores, Brooke Fields, Lucy Coveley, and CeCe James. What are your expectations for this year's squad, and can you share a little about the depth of experience and leadership these ladies provide? This year we really, I mean, I expect us to be a better team than we were last year. We've been able to have, you know, a lot more depth. We've had a great recruiting class, and you know, CeCe, Lucy and Brooke are going to provide us experience, and they've been through the wars for us, and I think they're going to do a good job in that respect. And then we've also been able to bring in, you know, five really, really good players and a couple other good players that we know are going to be good down the road. So we've really upped our talent level, and we have a lot more depth. We can be able to sub a lot more. You know, our practices are a lot more competitive, and, you know, we have four starters coming back, and I'm not sure all – four of them will start we're not sure yet but you know last year we 
weren't real deep. And, you know, this year I told the kids the other day, we got eight girls good enough to start right now. And, you know, we're going to have three people that don't start that, you know, really haven't done anything wrong. It's just, you can only start five at a time. So it's a nice thing to have because it's something we didn't have last year. And I think we're going to try to wear teams out with our quickness and we're not real big, but we're really fast. And I think we're going to be playing up tempo and pressing a lot. So I think it's, you know, it's really going to help to have a lot more depth than last year. In addition to the three that you've mentioned, it's still a young roster. You've added Emily Miller from the Buffalo area, who averaged over 30 points last season as a high school senior for Christian Central Academy. Can you talk a little about adding a talent like Emily and how she can help this team? Well, she's just, you know, a very good all-around player. You know, we need her size. She's about six foot, six one. She can score inside. She can shoot the three. You know, she's a good passer, and she's going to be able to give us a low post score who can also – the other team has a big girl that likes to just plan herself inside defensively. Emily can come out and shoot the three and drive on her, and, you know, I just really love her versatility, and she's a great, great kid. I mean, she's valedictorian of her high school class, so you know, we're really fortunate to get her. You've already mentioned you had a strong recruiting class. I know you're exciting, excited about it. Can you tell us a little bit more about that class and maybe who some people we should be looking for? Yeah, I mean, it's an unbelievable class. I mean, we got Emily. We have Sarah Nady. She was um, a point guard from Egypt. She's a starting point guard for Egypt's national team, and she's a tremendous shooter. You know, can handle the ball, great passer. Um, we have my niece from Indiana, Taya Andrews. She averaged, I think she's like 10th or 11th in the state in scoring in Indiana. And she's about 5'9", 5'10". She's really a guard and we'll play her probably more at three and four this year just because we're, you know, we have a lot of guards and she's a little bit bigger and stronger and, you know, she can score, she can pass, she can drive, she can rebound. Uh, we have, you know, Kinsey Brandt is a graduate student who played at the, you know, for Miami of Ohio, a division one school. And we really, really like her experience. She's our only senior on the roster. So I just really love the way she gets after it, plays hard, gets loose balls. Uh, we got Jesse, you know, from Australia and Jesse Cook. And Jesse's just doing a great job for us. She's a guard and she's scrappy and she can shoot and pass. And then we have Anastasia Smith from Michigan. She's about a 5'11 post player, and, you know, she's, we think she's got a lot of potential. So just a very good all-around class, and like I said, it's really up to our talent level all over. Last time you joined us, Gary, you, you shared with us your faith story, how you grew up in a Christian home blessed with strong, godly parents. Can you share a little about how God has been working in your life and perhaps what he's been impressing upon you since coming to Roberts? I just try to, you know, lead a Christian example and try to, you know, for my players and, you know, my coworkers and, you know, all the students around Robert, you just want to show them I'm living in a Christian manner. And just when you're around, you know, all these Christian people are just, you know, just a great atmosphere to be around. And, you know, it's I really, really enjoy working here and working with my coworkers. And, you know, I love coaching my team. I'm really fortunate. I got a lot of really, really nice players. Coach, I know you're busy. I want to Thank you for taking time to talk with us today. How can we pray for you? Well, I lost my aunt probably about a week and a half ago, and it was it's, she was getting older, and her husband had passed away a couple of years earlier, and so it was kind of a blessing. She'd been praying, and she was ready to go to heaven, and maybe just kind of pray for our family. We're gonna. Um, she had moved to California like 30 years ago, and 
but we're going to do um, a funeral service next weekend in Indiana where I grew up and distributing all around the cousins. I know it's been, it's hard for her kids. I know she's in a better place, but still hard not having their mom around. And, you know, it's going to be a sad time for us not to have our aunt around, but, you know, maybe if you guys can just pray for us to get through this time and my family to get through this time, it'd be great. Absolutely. It'd be my pleasure to do so. Thanks again, Coach, and best of luck later today against RIT and, of course, next Thursday night against Notre Dame. Okay, thank you. We've been talking with Gary Andrews, head coach of the defending NCCAA National Champions women's basketball team from Roberts Wesleyan College, and you still have some time to get out there and see the Red Hawks in action later today, 2 p.m. against RIT, before they head out to take on one of the nation's very best next Thursday night against Notre Dame. This is the Beyond the Game program. I'm Rick Benson. There are those guys. We'll be back right after this. Title sponsor of Beyond the Game is Town & Country Pest Solutions, and they have been for the two-plus years the show's been on the air. But that's nothing compared to the nearly 30 years of bringing your homes and businesses of unwelcome pests. And I'm not just here reading a commercial script for them. I am a happy and satisfied customer. They have taken care of a mouse, bee, ant, and even fly problem for me. Yes, my house is old and falling apart, and I get all sorts of pest problems, and you may too as the colder air creeping in starts to cause critters to seek shelter in your attic, basement, or walls. If you think you have a problem or want to make sure that you don't, call Town & Country. They really are the best. They guarantee their work, and did I mention they're the best? Save yourself any more of a headache and money by giving them a call first. Don't waste your time on other companies. Town and Country will do it right the first time, every time. So give them a call today at 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. One more time because someone decided that three is the magic number, 585-426-5024. Or visit them online at townandcountrysolutions.com. Town and Country Pest Solutions. They fear nothing but God. You're listening to Beyond the Game, talking sports from a different point of view. Beyond the Game is listener-supported. You can help by making a one-time gift or perhaps even committing to a monthly pledge amount. And if you own a business, consider advertising during the Beyond the Game program and promote your business to large audiences of both sports fans and people of faith. Please join us as we seek to encourage, equip, and evangelize through Sports Talk Radio. Visit our website at btgprogram.com for more information or make a donation via PayPal Secure Servers. Beyond the Game thanks you for both your financial and prayerful support. Welcome back to the Beyond the Game program. Beyond the Game is brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions. The Geno Smith era was, once again, very short-lived in New York. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that thing was over before it even got going again. Smith replaced Ryan Fitzpatrick as starting quarterback for the Jets and played well enough for the most part on Sunday against the Baltimore Ravens. That is, until he was forced out of the game with what turned out to be a torn ACL. Re-enter Fitzpatrick, who he also actually did pretty well in relief. So for the Jets, the guy they benched because he was ineffective ended up playing after all and is once again the team's starting quarterback. (laughs) Is anybody surprised this team doesn't win? Nope. Uh, How does Fitzpatrick always find himself as the starter? (laughs) Everywhere he goes, he finds himself as the starter. And this is with two other quarterbacks that they are that, that they're carrying on the roster. I mean, these guys are just carrying clipboards. One of which they spent a second round draft pick on. Uh, the Jets are obviously pretty convinced that neither Bryce Petty or Christian Hackenberg are either not ready or not the guy. 
I mean, if they're facing the prospect of slotting Ryan Fitzpatrick in as starter, who they clearly prefer to bench in favor of Geno Smith, only he's now out for the season, why wouldn't they give one of these rookies a shot? It's it's not it. like they're going to cost the Jets a playoff berth. I, you know, are, are you getting that? Do you understand what I just said? They really want Geno Smith, but they're settling for Ryan Fitzpatrick, who they had just benched. I think if you really want Geno Smith, you have you that might be your big problem. You're just bad at identifying talent. At this point, Christian Hackenberg is not getting a look unless it becomes absolutely necessary. <laughs> Which and is look, great since they just wasted a second round pick on him. You have to trust the Jets. You know that the these two guys are just not ready to play. The Jets have a long history of winning football, a great tradition of starting quarterback play. You have to give them the benefit of the doubt that they know what they're doing. I mean, Todd Bowles is a proven head coach in the league. He knows how to handle the quarterback position. You guys are picking up on the <laughs> sarcasm here, I mean, right? He's a defensive coordinator who probably doesn't yeah. know much about the quarterback position. <laughs> Fitzpatrick had to he had to be a little surprised to be back under center after he publicly doubted that he would get another opportunity with the Jets. He made that comment in the days prior to Sunday's game, and then even after going in for Smith, was still feeling maybe a little sorry for himself when he said this afterwards. The biggest thing in this game in order to last is to have belief in yourself, you know, because when the owner stops believing in you and the GM stops believing in you and coaches stop believing in you, sometimes all you have is yourself. Now, I'm not gunning for Fitzpatrick the way many others have done this week. The truth is they did stop believing in him. I mean, he gave them every reason to, mm-hmm. no doubt about it, but they certainly did stop believing in him. But isn't this what we tell our kids? Keep pushing. Stay confident. As long as you believe in yourself, you can do it. Isn't that what he was saying? He still believed in himself. Look, he didn't think he would get another shot, but he never lost confidence in himself. He kept believing, even if perhaps he was the only one believing it. But maybe it was that confidence which allowed him to play better after relieving Geno Smith. Now, maybe I'm the only one. But I wasn't all that taken back by what he said, although I will say this wasn't Fitzpatrick's, you know, first time at a post-game podium. You know, he he should have known better than to say what he said. I don't know. Then again, which of us hasn't said something we wish we hadn't said? Mm -hmm. You know, maybe even before we finish saying it. But And we always want our players and coaches to be completely honest with us. And for once, here's an athlete who was completely honest. The guy was emotional. He was benched in favor of Smith. I mean, how much worse can he get? You're benched in favor of Geno Smith. Obviously, you're feeling pretty bad. Time to hang him up at that point. But then he gets another shot, plays pretty well, gets a win. And for the first time in a few weeks, by the way, he was honest. He probably shouldn't have been. But, you know, he said people had given up on him. But uh, I don't know. The point I think he was trying to make was that he himself had never given up. It was just a clumsy comment, and he's been ripped for it since. But to be fair, though, the Jets losing wasn't all on Fitzpatrick, not even close. There's other reasons the Jets are losing than Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, at at times it looked like he was pressing. He looked like Brett Favre at at times, both in a good way and a bad way. Uh, I mean, he'd make these crazy passes, you know, just like he was a gunslinger out there. then again, he'd make big-time plays like he did against Buffalo. And I'm not saying he did he didn't deserve it, uh, though I wouldn't have gone 
Uh, I wouldn't have gone back to Geno, but whatever. That's the Jets' decision. But whether he deserved it or not, you can't completely blame him for being sore when the team benched him after five games. You know, they did give him $12 million to be their guy this year. He got a big contract. I think that had a lot to do with his play. He got a big contract, and he was pressing. Um, you know, it was this back-and-forth negotiation throughout the entire offseason. The Jets gave him a lot of money. Um, you know, if I'm not mistaken, I think his worst statistical season other than this year was after the Bills gave him a, a sizable contract. I was just going to say, we've seen this story before from him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Teammate Brandon Marshall, who campaigned on Fitzpatrick's part during the offseason, hoping to see him re-signed by the Jets, Marshall said that players shouldn't be criticized for expressing how they feel. Sometimes, this is his quote, sometimes we crush people when we show emotion. To me, the thing that makes our game special is how important a game is and how much emotion goes into it. Football isn't always about being so politically correct. And, and he's right. You know, Fitzpatrick is getting ripped, but I think he was just being honest. He he was doing what we'd want a guy on our team to do, keep believing. Todd Bowles is also right, though, when he said, you know, this is a show-me game, and Fitzpatrick wasn't showing anybody. But I think he's wrong. He did say this. Uh, this is Todd Bowles. He says nothing about belief or non-belief. People get assigned to do do jobs and they do them. If I don't do my job or the GM doesn't do his job or the quarterback doesn't do his job, the team doesn't do their job. Eventually, they'll replace us all. It's a show-me game. Of course, they will get replaced if they don't produce. Pro sports are cruel. I mean, it's a cruel way to make a living. But it most certainly does have something to do with belief or non-belief because you can't produce – if the coaches don't have enough belief in you to put the players on the field. Fitzpatrick believes in himself, just as San Francisco 49ers linebacker Aaron Smith believes in himself. He said this. We have the team, you know, we, we have the team. We have, we possibly have the best, one of the best teams in the NFL, easily, the hands down. By the way, the 49ers are one and six, but good for him, man. He's working <laughs> it. He's wrong, but he still believes that the 49ers are one of the best teams in the league. Todd Bowles says that whatever fuels the fire for a person to play and be competitive, that's what it is. A good athlete completely believes in himself. He believes in his team, maybe unrealistically at times, but he believes. The way he plays will very often reveal what he believes about himself and those around him. Their belief, their confidence fuels their fire. When a quarterback has confidence that his line can protect him, He can play a lot better. His confidence, his belief are proven by the fact that he stands in the pocket and and plays. And I think there are levels of belief. Cowboy fans believe that their team is one of the best teams in the NFL, but do they believe enough to go out and buy Super Bowl tickets? You know, I hear people say from time to time that if you really believe that Jesus could return at any moment, you would live your life as if you were expecting him. I think that's a bit of sensationalism. I mean, yes, of course, I believe it could happen, but based on my experience and those of the last 2,000 years, it hasn't happened. So, yes, it could happen, but I'm not exactly thinking it's going to be today. But I'll give you that it could be. I was listening to a preacher who said this week, his quote is, if we really believe the power of God, then our churches would be filled. That was a little more to the point for me. You know, because of those of us who are believers, We've, we've experienced Christ's forgiveness. 
We've come to a place where we consider the magnitude of our sins. We've found ourselves lacking. We need a Savior. We understand that. If we believe that if, that God has the power to forgive sins, if we believe that God can change lives, then why wouldn't we be inviting more people to church? Remember the account of Peter and John in Acts chapter 4. Their testimony was impacting multitudes of people, and they were those people were turning to Christ. This, of course, didn't set well with the church and the community. Uh, and they had Peter and John arrested. When told to stop talking about Jesus, their answer was simple and straightforward. This is Acts chapter 4, verse 20. We cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Why would they say such a thing? Because they really believed what they were telling people. They didn't, just, they didn't just believe it in a sort of intellectual data way. They believed it so strongly in their hearts that it became the very definition of their lives. How great would it be if our lives were defined by our passion for Christ? How great would that be? If Christians had the same attitude that Peter and John did, I think our churches would be filled. If We, we need to get back to a passion, that passion we had when we first came to Christ. If you were like me, being forgiven of sins and learning, you know, I would now spend eternity in heaven. I wasn't going to hell. It was so cool. I wanted to tell everybody. But in time, you know, life sort of beats you down. You get rejected. You get mocked, sometimes worse. And in time, you you lose a little bit of that passion, that edge that you have. Uh, but we have the cure for what ails people. Jesus Christ is able to change lives. He's able to take away the guilt and the shame of sin. And the world needs to know about him. Romans 10.14 says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Christians, we need to be that preacher. You know, guys, we need to be the preacher. Do you really believe that Jesus is the answer for sin? Do you really believe that without him, friends and loved ones are going to perish in hell? How can we just sit back and let that happen? We need to believe. We need to have that passion. Ryan Fitzpatrick never stopped believing in his ability to be an NFL quarterback. And I hope that Christians haven't stopped believing that Christ's ability to make lives better. Think about what it's meant to you over the years to have Christ in your life. Aaron Lynch believes that his 49ers are one of the best teams in the league, regardless regardless of what others may think. Despite an increasingly hostile and increasingly disbelieving society around us, the gift that Jesus offers of forgiveness of sins, the gift of eternal life with him, is the best gift that anyone could receive. Why don't we tell people about it? Surely if your neighbor's house were on fire and they didn't know, you'd tell them. You get my point. Many Christians, though, they do live. They live this sold-out life. They have a deep passion for Christ. But there are many more who, you know, have become dull. They've become apathetic. It's time to think hard about what you really believe. What do you believe about Jesus Christ? What is it that you've really, truly placed your faith in? I'm Rick Benson. You're listening to the Beyond the Game program. Beyond the Game has been brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions. We're out, we're out of time. We're at the end of our show. I apologize. Once again, a lot of things we didn't get to. But for those guys, I'm Benson. Thanks for listening. Be great this week, everybody. Mm-hmm.